I think subheads are very important. It's like windows into your content. Your eyes are the windows to your soul and your subheads are the windows to your content. I'm Valerie Koo from the Australian Writers' Centre and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. I'm Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, and this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on ProductiveInsights.com forward slash podcast hyphen setup to discuss how we can get started. As always, I will link to that page in the show notes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this two-part series with Pamela Wilson. She has a blog called The Big Brand System where small business owners can discover how to create content and a marketing strategy that helps them design a memorable brand. She particularly specializes in helping business owners who don't consider themselves writers to create good quality content that stands out from the crowd. And there's a lot of good quality content out there. And we're going to talk about those things in this second part of this two-part series. But if you haven't listened to part one, I strongly recommend you do so because in part one, we define the term educational content. We talk about how the online industry is evolving and the role that educational content is playing in that industry. We talk about how you can use content to establish the know, like, and trust-based relationship with your audience and creating a consistent publishing regime to develop this know, like, and trust relationship. Now, in this second part, we're going to be touching on the key challenges that people face when it comes to creating prolific content on a consistent basis. And some of the challenges we are going to address are how to create content if you don't feel that you're a writer or a content creator per se, how to use it to enhance your brand, how to use it to develop that know, like, and trust relationship without sounding repetitive, and some of the key principles that Pamela touches on in her book, Master Content Marketing. So what are the biggest challenges that you've seen people face when it comes to creating content marketing if they don't consider themselves a content marketer? I think one of the toughest things is just this lack of confidence around creating content, quickly followed by the fact that the whole thing seems incredibly overwhelming. I've compared it to a hamster wheel, you know, like the hamster running on the wheel and they never actually get anywhere and they feel like they can't get off. So I think it can feel very overwhelming. But the book that I wrote basically tries to reposition this as a creative act. that you can be doing that actually supports your business. And I have found personally, and this is what I wanted to share in the book, that it's so much easier to create content if you don't try to sit down and do it all at once. Okay. Your results tend to be better. 
you are able to give your mind time to actually think through the idea and and build on it and create a better piece of content overall. And you also give yourself a chance to develop what I call fresh eyes. Mm. And fresh eyes are eyes that have not looked at your content for 24 hours, Mm -hmm. and they will see the mistakes that you maybe have made in your content. So that's it's a great way if you are a solo entrepreneur that is a great way to manage your content marketing if you don't have the benefit of an editor, which most of us do not. Something that I really loved on that point that I learned from John Morrow, who personally trained me on how to write, was the power of writing headlines. You know, when you talk about creating content in snippets, the first step of creating, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a blog post or even if you want to create a video, most forms of content are backed by some kind of a script. To me, an idea is the backbone of good quality content. And so at first when John said to me, you know, just sit down and practice headlines and Brian Clark taught him to do this. He talks, I think he talks about it in, the, in episode three where, when I interviewed John Morrow, but he used to just write you know, hundreds of headlines. And I would, when, I, when he first told me about this, I thought, what's the point of writing a headline? You know, what's how's the that, use of what's that? What's the use right? of that? But when you actually sit down to try and do it, it forces you to think about things that are relevant to your listeners. And it's a great way of generating ideas. I'm not saying that every headline is going to turn into a spectacular blog post or a podcast episode or a video, but it definitely gets you thinking. And if you apply what you just said, Pamela, which is, you write down a bunch of headlines and you go back and revisit 24 hours later, the subconscious mind has an opportunity to digest that and ruminate on that. And you may have different nuances that come in to that idea and you suddenly develop a good idea. And that actually leads very nicely into the next step that I use, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I do with writing blog posts is after I write the headline, I write just bullet points, maybe five or six bullet points that shape the direction of the content, which I then flesh out into a blog post. So that you're describing something that's very close to the, I call it my four day content creation system. You have to tell us about this. Yeah, I can quickly outline it. Please. So day one, I, I call that day building your article backbone, actually. And it's funny because wow. you just said the word backbone. I know we've got like this mind mind meld thing <laughs> happening here. So building your article backbone on day one is basically writing a whole bunch of headlines until you get what I call a working headline. It may not be your final headline, but it's one that you like well enough that it actually gets you kind of excited to write the piece of content. You're like, oh, I can't wait to write this post, you know? And then the other thing I recommend people do on day one is write subheads in the form of, I mean, it basically ends up being an outline. So you're thinking through how you are going to develop the premise of your article, Mm. how you're going to lay out the argument and move people through the information that you want to share. And, and those are subheads. Subheads are super important for online content. They help people to understand what they're reading. They help them feel like they're making progress through your piece. They guide people through your information. Mm -hmm. 
Every subhead inside your article is a chance to re-engage the reader. I love that. And get them to keep reading. I love that. To just kind of keep pulling them down the page. So what I recommend on day one is you get a working headline and three to five subheads that basically form the outline, but I don't call it an outline because I think we all have like post-traumatic stress disorder from having to do outlines in our English classes, right? So, but it's basically an outline. That's what you end up with at the end of day one. And then I recommend you walk away and you go do something else. You go on with the rest of your day and you let your subconscious mind work on that piece of content. On day two, I recommend that you just get your first draft written. So I call that like the fill in the details day. So you, as fast as possible, are going to sit down and write an introductory paragraph. You're going to fill in under your subheads. You'll write a short summary at the end of your piece of content and then some kind of call to action at the end, even if the only call to action is leave your comment on this post, you know? Uh That's day two. And my big recommendation for day two is to write forward and not backward. So do not go back and edit. Just get those words out. Just put them on the page. And then again, walk away. Just like push back from your desk and walk away. Go do something else. Because day three is when you're going to edit and polish and, and do everything you need to do to prepare the post to be published. So I call that the polish and prepare to publish day. (laughs) And what you're going to do is you'll look at your content with fresh eyes. Hopefully things will jump out that seem confusing or maybe, you know, words that you misspelled or misused. Anything that seems like it needs more explanation. In some cases, things just need to be cut out because maybe you went down a, a path that doesn't really pertain to the point you're trying to make. All of those things should pop out at you if you truly have given it some time and you've done other things. It helps you develop those fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. And then look for an image because posts with images tend to do better. That gives you something to share on social media as well. Format it for readability. So that means adding block quotes, adding bulleted lists, making sure your subheads stand out. Anything that you can do to make it easier to read through and skim is really important. And then day four is publishing day. So on that day, you need to be out there promoting your content that you just worked three days to put together, promoting it and giving it the best possible chance. So promoting it on social media, probably a lot more than you think. (laughs) Repeating that promotion lots of times so Mm -hmm. that people see it and you really give it the best chance. And then one of the things I say in the book is every so often, it doesn't happen all the time, but every so often we write what I call an epic post. So a post that is so detailed, so informative that you just know you're contributing to the conversation in a really big way. When you write an epic post, that's the time that you should be reaching out to other website owners to see if they will share it with their audiences. Website owners who have audiences who might be interested in the information. And like I said, you won't do this for every post, but every so often you just write one that you're like, you know, (laughs) this is like a whole new angle on this topic and I want to make sure lots of people see it. So that's when you send them a little note and you just say, 
you know, you're, I really like your work and I think your audience might be interested in this. Here's the link and, you know, no strings attached, but you're giving it a better chance to get in front of more people. Now I have a question. A lot of people listening to this conversation will probably say, well, I've written an epic post, but I think it's epic. I'm a bit embarrassed to reach out to website owners and ask them to share it or even to read it. And I, by the way, I'm to some extent, I'm actually speaking from experience because when I started my podcast, I remember saying to somebody, why would anyone want to listen to what I have to say? And now it's thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads. And obviously, some people do want to listen to what I have to say. So how do we address that imposter syndrome that comes up in our minds? What's a little hack to deal with that so we can reach out to those website owners despite being very anxious about their response or their rejection or whatever it is about sharing the epic post? Yeah. I Do they have Girl Scouts in Australia? I believe they do. Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. So the Girl Scouts in the US are very well known as a, a nice organization for girls, but they sell Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> right. So they're like famous for the Girl Scout cookies and Girl Scout cookies only come out at one time in the year. It's like this urgency product, you know, yeah, it's yeah. only for a month or two that they're available and if you like the Girl Scout cookies, you have to buy them during that month or else you won't have another chance. So right. when I was young, I was in Girl Scouts and yeah. the cookie sale basically financed the organization. So wow. every year in the fall, you had to go out and start walking around your neighborhood in your goofy Girl Scout <laughs> vest that basically said, I am a nerd, you know, right across it. So I used to do this. I would go out and sell Girl Scout cookies. And I was horrified, horrified that I was going to knock on the doors of these people who I didn't know yeah. and ask them to buy this thing. Right. Well, I, you know, I mentioned this story in the book. And the thing is, all these years later, I've realized people love Girl Scout cookies. Wow. If only you'd known that back then. I didn't know that back then. I didn't know that they were basically waiting for them to be available so that yeah. they could order them, right? Yeah. And I think it's a little bit of that attitude that we have to adopt when it comes to sharing our epic content. First of all, it really does need to be epic. I mean, you need to sort of be convinced about it yourself before mm. you go out to, to share it with other people because you don't want to burn those bridges. You mm. want to share something that truly is valuable. Yes. But then it's knowing that people actually like having really good content to share. They want to buy those Girl Scout cookies, you know? <laughs> yeah. It helps people to look smart when they mm. share when they sort of uncover this piece of content that yes. maybe no one else has shared. That's true. And they're one of the first people to put it well, out there. Well, they're the curators, right? You're putting them in the position Absolutely. of being the curator. And anyone who has a larger audience, you know, they're trying to sort of keep that audience well supplied with really good quality information. Girl Scout cookies, right? <laughs> so that's what you're doing by reaching out to them. And, and you know, here's the other thing. Not everyone will say yes. You'll mm. get some people will just plain ignore you and yeah. you just have to go into it knowing that you'll get no answer from some people. Some people will say yes, but, you know, not be super excited about it. And some people will thank you for reaching out and sharing your content with them. It doesn't matter. You know, you have to not take it personally. And when you have something really good, don't be afraid to share it. I guess 
one of the ways to overcome that anxiety is just set yourself a target of I will reach out to five website owners this week and regardless of their response you just do it mechanically and you don't attach yourself to the emotions or the outcome yeah. just focus on the process right okay now there's just some comments i want to make i made some notes here while you were talking about the four day strategy content and I want to, creation system yeah yes yes and i want to recap that just for our listeners and i also want to make some comments about some of the steps day one you come up with your headline and your subheads day two you do your first draft with a call to action day three you edit polish and prepare to publish very good use of alliteration there, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and day four, you actually publish it and then you promote the content to website owners. Now, something about subheads I wanted to say, which really struck a chord with Sonia Simone when I just interviewed her recently. I said to her, subheads are like windows to your content. You know, they allow you to sneak peek into the content without having to read the whole content. It gives the person an, an option to say, do I want to drill further down into this or not? And that's one of the powerful things about written content. It is scannable, which is something yeah. that doesn't necessarily translate to podcasting or you know audio content or video content. That said, subheads can still be a very important building block of creating uh, audio content. We're conducting this conversation based on some key talking points, which are like subheads, really. And without that structure or those subheads, the conversation can just become very waffly, which we do hear on a lot of podcasts. And that is hard to listen to. So I think subheads are very important. It's like windows into your content. Your eyes are the windows to your soul and your subheads are the windows to your content. They they totally are. And they're they're also so important they're, they're important for the person who's consuming the content, because like you said, it gives them a window, it gives them a way in, and it allows them to skim. So that's all good. But for the person who's creating the content, it also forces that person to really think through yes. how they're going to develop and spell out their information. Yes. So that's why I recommend people do it on the first day, because mm. once you've done that, you've really you've built a backbone. You've built right. a backbone and you're going to hang the rest of the words on that backbone. Exactly. And the other thing I like about it, the word backbone is it conjures an image of a backbone, but it allows you to distribute the flesh. <laughs> now this is getting yeah, a little bit too totally anatomical. No, but it's but like the flesh of the, the content evenly. Like the ribs, right? Yeah. And then you're you're hanging the rest of it on those. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't That's end up with sub- one subhead, you know, with one piece overemphasized and the other pieces yes. just underserved, as it were. So you know, you have a reasonable amount uniformity of volume in each of the subheads in terms of content and words. So I that was my point about the subhead. The the day two where you talk about creating the first draft, I interviewed Ed Dale, uh, and I can't remember which episode. It was a three-part series. Ed was very effusive. He's very passionate about content. And he called the first draft the vomit draft. Now, these are not words that I would have chosen, but I think it really drives the point home. I think what he was trying to say is really put aside all the pretenses of this being any kind of final version and you know don't worry about it being polished do not care just produce your content and that brings another very important point i encourage content creators to think with two different hats you've got the creator hat 
which is when you're creating the content. And then you've got the editor hat when you're editing the content and the two should never meet. And that's why I have them on separate days. Yes. Because honestly, you know, I, I've compared it to, you know, you see like in cartoons, you have the angel on your shoulder and the <laughs> devil on your other shoulder, right? So the angel is like your creator. Yes. That's the person who's inspiring you to get your content written. If you let that devil start critiquing what you're doing <laughs> as you're writing, you won't get anywhere. So you need that devil editor on yeah. the third day to help yeah. you polish it up so it's in really good shape. But that voice has no room on day two. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times, uh, even now, the devil starts speaking out of turn. So it is a real, real hassle. It's, it's, there's this temptation to really give in to that, oh, you know, I just want to tweak this sentence and make it right. And you have to have that discipline and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I will do that yeah. tomorrow. Now I'm just right. going to write. Yeah, because the thing is, the editor in you cannot do his or her work until there are words to edit, right? Yes. So you have to get those words out on day two so that on day three, you have something to work on. Yeah, absolutely. Day four, we are talking about publishing and reaching out to influencers who you think will value the content and want to share it. And you have to be accepting of the fact that, you know, some will either ignore you, some will say no, but it doesn't matter. Now, there's one point I do want to make. When you mentioned reach out to website owners, I'm assuming you're suggesting we reach out to people who share the same target audience, right? Because yes, every website owner, ultimately, every good website owner wants to serve their audience. So if you're pitching them content, it's a good idea to make sure that you understand how it would be valuable to the audience. And when you suggest they share it, it's a good idea to say, hey, here's a piece of content that I think might be useful to your audience because of reason number one, reason number two, reason number three. And if possible, maybe even cite some of the comments people might have made on the blog and say, here's some of the comments that indicate to me that people want to actually consume this content. I use that approach, which by the way, I was taught by John Morrow with the founder of Tiny Buddha. And she was very receptive to my pitches because I actually took screenshots of people who made comments within a certain blog post and said, here is why specifically I think this article might be useful. And I didn't write the full article. Now, I just made a pitch. Now, screenshots from her site or from your site? From her site. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is when you're reaching out to people who have big websites, I mean, I think you know, I mean, you know how this is, you get a lot of pitches. And if somebody has taken the time to actually look at your site and take screenshots from your commenters, that puts you in a whole different category. Right. I mean, it means that you have really studied their audience and yeah. you're not just kissing up to them to try yeah. to get them to publish your piece, right? You, yeah. you actually have studied and you know what their audience is interested in. Yeah. And you're demonstrating that you understand the importance of creating valuable content for the audience. You're not creating it for the website owner. You're creating it for the audience because that's what really matters. And a good content creator understands that. It's about the audience. Right. Definitely. 
I think that there's a couple of other points I want to touch on. Joe Polizzi, in episode 75, when I interviewed him, he talked about written content never going away. I asked him this question. I said to him, do you think written content is going to get drowned out by video and audio? And he said, I don't think it's going anywhere, mainly because of the scannability. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about that. I don't think it's going anywhere either. I think it's going to be complemented, and it already is complemented by all these different media formats. So audio is a great complement. And for some people, audio is a great solution. Video is a fantastic format. There are things that you can do in video that you can't do in written content. There are things you can demonstrate. There's body language that you can use. So there are great things about video. But I think in terms of information density per second of time consumed. I love there is that. Nothing to, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. No, but that's like, brilliant. That's good. You can deliver so much more information by written content, especially if you've taken the time to both write it and format it so that it's easy to consume on a screen, yes. which is different than a book. It's different than a brochure, different than a magazine. A screen is its own location. And you have to really write it and format it for the place where it's going to live. Yes. And you have to write it and format it for scannability, which is yeah. what I think creates that brilliant phrase you just used. Information density per second. Per second. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I might really have love to write that. a post about that, Ash. You gotta, you gotta write it. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'll say that it came up in our conversation. I'm going to write the idea down right now. Cool. This is great. And this, by the way, is another fantastic little trick. If you want to come up with great content ideas, idea capture. Rohit Bhargava talks about it. I can't remember the episode number, sorry. But he talks about it when he talks about content curation in one of the previous episodes. So Pamela, this has just been a super valuable conversation. We've given our listeners specific action steps they can take in the form of the four-step strategy. We talked about how they can create a know, like, and trust relationship. We talked about how subheads can serve as windows to your content and increase the scannability. We talked about how to get started with writing content if you don't know where to start. And that is just write down headlines and walk away. Uh, and that's beautifully covered in that four-day strategy. I'm going to recap that because it's so valuable. I'm going to touch on that once more. Day one, create your headlines and your subheads. Walk away. Day two, create your first draft and your call to action. Walk away. And by the way, when you create that first draft, don't edit, just create. Day three, that's when you do the editing. That's when the devil can speak. Do the editing and polishing and prepare to publish your content with images, formatting, that sort of stuff. And then day four, publish and influencer outreach. Influencer, when you have an epic post, right? I mean, it's, Oh, yes. Good point. Yeah. It's actually mostly audience outreach on day four. You're reaching out to make sure that the audience you're trying to reach has seen the post. But when you have something special, you know what is really great about this system? I mean, one of the things that I think works really well is if your goal is to publish one really good piece of content every week, you can set these days up as recurring events on your calendar. Mm -hmm. So let's say you want to publish on Thursday. You start the whole system on Monday. Monday is your day one. Tuesday is your day two. Wednesday is your day three. So every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, you're basically working on the same aspects of your post. 
And then Thursday is your published day. Thursday is the day you devote to promoting and things like that. And that puts the whole process onto this, you know, it's like a conveyor belt. Yeah. As long as you just do one piece of it on those days of the week, you will be consistently publishing really high quality content and you'll never feel overwhelmed by it. Nice. And that's, yeah, that's always... And it's a great habit, right? You fall into the habit, yeah. like it's Monday, today is creation day, or you know, right. what, uh, or it's Tuesday, today is editing day, whichever, however you do it. But right. it's a great point. Yeah, it's a great suggestion. I think for small business owners, especially, I mean, I came up with it out of necessity because I had a lot going on in my life and I knew I wanted to write content. And that's how that system developed. It was basically because I needed it. (laughs) Fair enough. So you've given us so much value, Pamela. I really want to let the audience know how they can get a copy of this book, because to me, it sounds like it's dangerous not to get a copy of the book. So (laughs) miss out on the book at your own risk. So how do listeners get a copy of the book? Of course, we'll link to it in the show notes, but what can they do to get a copy and how do they find out more about you? Mm, Thank you. The best place to find it is mastercontentmarketing.com. That will redirect to a page that has links to all the major sites. I believe it links to the Amazon US page, but the book is available in Australia. It's available any place in the world, really. If your listeners are tuning in from wherever, it's basically available wherever. So yeah, and the print version especially is designed to be like a desktop companion. It's designed to sort of, sit on your desktop and be helpful while you're creating content. So, and then as far as where to find me, I'm on big brand system. I'm on big brand system, sharing what I've learned over all these years about branding, marketing, design. It's a nice audience over there too. I, I think your listeners would feel right at home on big brand system as well. Well, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Pamela. It was wonderful to have you. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 